This morning, if you have your Bible, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. And that's going to be our exposition. Uh, we're going to take it a little bit in piece and part. be a little bit different than uh, usual breakdown on the passage. But I think you'll find great edification in this. You, very, most of us are familiar with, with the armor of God that's mentioned in Ephesians chapter 6. But the Bible tells us and commands us for us to be strong and to stand. And this is how you stand. You put on the armor of God. And that's what we're going to read about this morning. And what it means here and why this passage is so important because it stands against some of the false ideas and false I- concepts that we come up with and we try to develop for ourselves for us to stand and for us to live our lives contrary to God's will. We need the things that God has given to us and He has given the power and the strength and the ability for us to take up this armor and to take it up at well and to use it and to be prepared every day for those great blessings that He gives for us, uh, for us to have the ability to stand against evil, against wickedness, against trials and tribulations. He gives that to us. So we're going to look at the armor of God and hopefully get a little bit deeper concept there uh, on this, uh, on the subject. Before we do that, I ask that you pray with me. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for forgiving us of our debt of sin. We thank you that we can live by that grace and mercy that you've given to us and give it to others. We can live by the love that you've given to us, that we can give that to others, to our neighbors, to our enemies. Father, we ask that you continue to strengthen us. Father, that we continue to lean upon you and to stand by your word and to live by faith every day. Father, help us this week to do that to be a light in this world. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Blessed are those who recognize the strength of God. There are great things and great, wonderful things about taking time to think about our Creator, to think about Christ and who He is, to think about the attributes of God. Not merely to read a a scripture, and maybe we read it and we get past uh, just the surface reading and we take it to heart and we think, oh, that's, that's beautiful. But then we sit there, and I hope that you do this, and you contemplate about the, the wonderful things that God has given us. How He has given us strength. How He's given every believer the ability to stand. And think about that in contrast to the world. Now think about yourself right now. How would you face the problems that you face, the, the trials, the tribulations of life, without a belief and a trust in your Creator and God? How would you endure? How would you continue on? For some of us, maybe it might be a very hard thing to, to, to think about going back to that. And I hope it is. I, sometimes it's the very thought of forgetting God or living life without Him is just a devastating thought. I, I can't imagine it anymore. And I don't wonder the very thought of living a life like that. I don't want to live a life like that. I know that it's created in the likeness of my God. I know that I've committed sins, but I also know He's loved me so much that He sent Christ to die for me and to take away my sin, and to give me everlasting life. And those things are constantly encouraging. When we view and we look at the world through the perspective of being created by, by God, and we think about the great blessings that come through Christ, I hope that we realize that we have a huge amount of strength that a lot of people in the world do not have. They don't have it in, in certain, certain trials and the things that we often have to endure in this life. What I want to do this morning is I want to look at what God has given to us. And when we're looking at the armor of God, we're looking at a gift from God. We're looking at the many gifts of God that are given just by the fact that we believe, that we trust in Him, that we have the great things that He has given to us and how they make us strong. 
So beginning this morning, let's go to Ephesians 6. We're going to make some observations just right here in these three scriptures. So Ephesians chapter 6, and look with me in verses 10 and 10 through 12. This is what Paul writes. Again, this is toward the end of this epistle to the church in Ephesus. A lot of things in this book, and he's come to this very powerful conclusion. And he says here in verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. That's a command. Be strong in the Lord. Be strong how? In the strength of his might. Keep reading. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Put on the panoply of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Well, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, I want to look at some things that Paul is bringing up there of what is going on in the Christian life. Number one, as Christians... We face a conflict. We're in a steady um, course of different battles that we face in life. We're in a war. And God has given us the ability to stand strong against it. The things that we've, we're going to read here as far as the armor of God, do that for us. And these are a wonderful thing. So the Christian life is war. And where are the fields of battle? We're in the different places throughout life, aren't they? Sometimes they're in our own hearts, in our minds. The things that we face, they're in our body. They're in our family. Sometimes the battlefields are there and can be very stressful. But if we lean, rely and lean upon God, then we know who we're going to stay loyal to. I'm not going to bend and change God's Word or alter anything for my own family. I'm going to stay true to that because I know that's the best thing for my family and for those who are around me. The battlefield might be around my friends and those I spend time with that I'm not going to compromise or be persuaded that their ideas are not going to overcome God's ideas that He has presented in His Word and in the Scriptures. The, the places where we might have conflict are also in school or in work. We know the things that we have to face. Sometimes our integrity is threatened and we have to make sure that we are not going to move from our God. Our careers can be affected in these battles. But when we rely upon God, no matter what happens, we know that there's nothing that ultimately is so catastrophic and so hideous that we, can't, that we can't stay loyal to Him and faithful to the One who loves us like He does. We see another thing here that Paul points out is that the war is supernatural. As Christians, we need to recognize that the kingdom of God transcends everything going on in the world. We could turn the news on and be brought down to such a base level of uh, oh, what about this and this and what's going to happen to the world. Think, not, not thinking that God is in control. Being distracted from the true reality that Christ is King. And we want to make sure that He is the King and that we recognize that we're a part of a greater kingdom and nation of people than anything in this existence in our world. Now as Christians, we continue to stand up for what is right. But we don't have to be burdened by it. We don't often always have to be threatened with the things that we see going on. Why? Because we're in a battle against real evil. We want to continue to fight that fight. And what we see here from Paul in Ephesians 6 is definitely that, that we're in, in that battle, we're in that conflict. God commands Christians to be strong, and He tells us how. He says, take up the armor of God. And when you go through Ephesians 6 and you, 
you start in verse 13, and you get on to verse 17, and you read all six of them there. It talks about armor as, as a soldier. Now, the soldier there depicted some of, compared it to the Roman soldier, but there's some things that are missing with the Roman soldier. But it would it'd be about the a basic equipment for any soldier that is going into battle. And we're going to look at that. But God says this about that armor that's been given to us. It's for us to be strong and to stand. And we are commanded to take it up. That tells us another thing. God is very concerned about whether we fall. In fact, he's saying here, for you to stand, in other words, for you not to fall, you've got to put these things on. You've got to take up what God has given you. The panoply of God. This is the way in which you have strength. This is the way in which we stand. And we need to think about it a little bit further. Because it is a real threat that faces us. Another thing that stands out to me here and what Paul's doing, he sounds like a commander. He sounds like he's getting the soldiers ready for battle. He's saying, get ready. It's time. Take up the armor. It's like a great military leader. And he again is encouraging soldiers of Christ. This is the time for you to realize the things that God has given to you. And I think some of these things, you go down the list and you might not think about them as giving you such great strength, but they do. I also think about what people often use to strengthen themselves. And this is a problem because instead of going with what God has given them, instead of going with what the Bible teaches and the Scriptures and what Christ has given us, they come up with their own ways to strengthen themselves. They say, well, whatever my social of friends, my circle of friends tell me to do, or whatever my own moral law, I'm going to stand by my moral law, and then they'll judge others and yet judge themselves as righteous. Or they'll stand by the law and think that they can be saved by God's law alone without grace and without His mercy. And they come up with their own form of righteousness. And the Bible warns us in Romans 10 and verse 30, Paul, you know, he has tears. You can kind of hear it there when he talks about his fellow brethren who have their own righteousness that they build up on the law, telling themselves, well, I'm blameless because I'm keeping that law and I'm okay. But the law doesn't make you righteous. It only exposes your faults. You need the grace of God. You need His forgiveness. I was thinking about that and it's all very much coming to mind this morning over the communion and thinking about the debt of which we've been forgiven from. It's a great reminder. The reason we forgive others is because we've been forgiven. That's what gives us power. Now all these things that have been given to us by Christ, we need to open our eyes to them and make sure when we're looking at this armor, as we're about to in a moment, that we have every part of it on us. And, and I know as some of us, if you're like me, you look at the armor and you realize, I've taken up this and I've taken up that, but sometimes I forget my helmet or I forget to put my shoes on. I forget to do what God has given to me and the strength that He's given to me. So hopefully this morning, this will also help us to say, I've got a weakness here and I need to rely on my Creator and my Savior for these things. You know, there are some out there that will also say, they, they have their own way of justifying making themselves where they stand. They'll say, well, I've got a word of faith. Maybe you've heard about that. It's been going around in a lot of churches. I will declare it and claim it. And where they get this from, I don't know. In fact, the book of James tells us and warns us that 
He says there in, in James 4, he says, you pray for things that you want and you covet for, and you war against one another over these things, and you pray for them thinking God's going to give them to you, but you ask with the wrong motive. You ask for the wrong things. You don't ask for things that are according to God's Word. And I see many people doing this today. They're claiming and making up their own religion as they go. Now our faith is based in what God says and who He is and who Christ is and what He taught and what He has delivered and given to us. That's where we stand. And the armor of God helps us to see that. Want to right now look at the usefulness of this armor. See its application. So let's keep reading. Let's go back to Ephesians 6. I'm going to read 13 through 17. 13 through 17. We'll get to 18 to 20 at the end. 13 through 17. Paul says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. There it is again, the command. You're commanded by God. And the Bible says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He says that you will be able to withstand. And I like the word withstand there in Greek. Again, in Greek, it's to stand against. You will withstand. He's emphasizing the word stand over and over again here in the scripture. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Notice the word again, verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. He says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We're going to look at this a little bit further. One thing that's fascinated me in looking back over this is I found five of the six, and you might be able to find the last one for me, are all in the book of Isaiah. You know, the things that Paul's talking about here, these, these parts of the armor, is nothing really that new. And those who would read through Isaiah, you will see these things. You'll see the helmet and you, you see the, the feet ready and prepared, the boots, the shoes of which one would wear into battle. You see the sword. All those things are present. The breastplate of righteousness, they're all there. Except for one, and maybe you can help me find that again. But I want you to notice here the belt of truth. Belt of truth, and you might bring to mind uh, passages like 1 Peter 1 and verse 13, where it literally says in Greek to gird up your loins. And that is, men, don't let your robes hang down. Pull them up. Tie them tight. Uh, you're going into battle. And here is the idea of, of tying that belt so you can move. And we know that. As Christians, you know how much the truth gives you the ability to move through life. To be able to, you know what to believe in. You know and who to trust. God and Christ. And you know the source of it. And Isaiah again mentions that as well. We read also about the breastplate of righteousness that protects the heart. But this is not of one's own righteousness. This is not because, well, look, I've done all these right things and that protects me. No, this is the righteousness of justification. That God has given you a right standing with Him. That you know that you've been forgiven of such great debt. And that guards your heart. It is grace and mercy that gives us strength and protects our heart from being corrupted, from moving away from our Creator. When we forget that, when we put that down, we can be easily pierced and lose. And again, that's already mentioned in Isaiah. Isaiah 59, verse 17. The shoes of the gospel of peace. 
Many of the commentators I was reading on this said this is the emphasis that Paul is pointing to. He's pointing to the shoes. And this reminds me, and it's right there in Isaiah 52 and verse 7. He says, look at how beautiful are the feet of those who carry the gospel. And then right after that in Isaiah, you remember that in Isaiah 52 and verse 13? Right there, Isaiah begins predicting and saying the Messiah, the servant, is coming. He's the suffering servant. And it goes right into Isaiah 53. The gospel is right there in Isaiah 53. And it's all presented before us. And so, again, what is Paul saying here? He says, again, you're able to move. You're able to take the truth to the world around you. Because you put these things on your feet. You have gotten, gotten ready. You put on the whole panoply of God. And you put those shoes on so you can share the truth. And it's a wonderful thought there to have peace with God. And it's one of the concepts in the book of Ephesians. We're going to come back to that. To be at peace with God. And I love the statement. There's no greater or sweeter thing in life than to be at peace with God. Tell me if there's one. I can't think of anything. To be at peace with God. And we have peace with God not because of what we've done, but because of what Christ has done. I love that. Do you carry that with you? Do you take that gospel of peace, that good message, that's what gospel means, the good message, the good news, carry it with you. Take up the shield. Take up the whole armor. Now here's another thing. The shield of faith is the only one I haven't been able to find in Isaiah. Now there's references in other places like here in Psalm 91 and verse 4, but I don't have it in Isaiah. And I keep thinking it might be somewhere that I've just missed it. But the shield of faith, he gives a lot of details here. It's the shield of faith that stops the missiles uh, from the evil one and from Satan. Those fiery darts. In fact, I was reading about how many times soldiers back then, they had those large shields. They were huge, about four feet tall. And the front of them were covered in leather. And they would dip them in water. They wanted the shield to soak up as much water as possible. Because when they went into battle, and, I, and I, I know some of the descriptions, it wasn't just the Romans, but they would form a tortoise. They'd put the shields over their head, the second row of soldiers, and the, the front row would have the shields ready. And they formed a great, looks like a giant turtle moving. And when those fiery darts came upon them, it wouldn't affect them. They could continue to move forward. So you get that picture here that is in Ephesians 6. He says that shield is there to protect you. So you think about your faith. You think about the tribulations, the temptations, the things that come forward in life by which you stand by faith, by which you take up that shield and they're not able to affect you. They don't hurt you like they do other people. And I see that. I see many people who try to live in this world without trusting in God. And a lot of times when we find something that really does affect us and pierce us, we need to reorient ourselves and say, who's in control? Well, God is. Who's going to take care of me? He is. What's the worst thing that could happen? And a lot of times we can go down that list and, oh, I don't want that to happen. But really, there's nothing catastrophic that can happen to us. Even death is not a threat for us. We have salvation. So we need to live by that faith. Another thing that stands out also in Isaiah is the helmet of salvation. It's the one of hope. It's focused on eternal life. It directs us in where we should go. And it keeps us to where nobody is going to disorient us and stop us from thinking and realizing the salvation that is before us. That's what we move for. That's where we're going to. And there's no threat against us, against our mind. Because we know of the eternal life that's in Jesus' resurrection. And then lastly, the sword of the Spirit. 
It's probably the most familiar one. And oftentimes we think about it, it's the only thing that stands out here as being an offensive weapon that we take to hand. It's that Word of God that has pierced our hearts, that has convicted us. And we read about descriptions throughout the Bible about the Word of God piercing to the heart. Hebrews 4 and verse 12, if you were to look that up, it calls the Word of God a sword that pierces between the division, a bone and, and, and marrow, similar to that, and similar to the separation of soul and spirit, which is another discussion, we can talk about that. And then it says, as a discerner of our thoughts and our intents that are within our heart. That's amazing. And we know that. We know that we could take that word with us. And that by preaching it and proclaiming it, that it pierces to the heart and it continues to, con to convict us. God has given all of these things to us. They're all gifts. But what am I doing with God's word? What am I doing with the helmet of salvation, with the hope that I have eternal life? What am I doing with my faith? What am I doing that allows me to stand and to move with the, with the belt of truth and with the breastplate of righteousness? And what am I doing with the shoes of the gospel of peace? And as I mentioned before, blessed are those who are at peace with God. We take the peace of God. We want to take people capture, captive to obedience to Christ. We're not going to war to cut down our neighbors, to put anybody else down. We're going to war against the evil to bring all people as much as will to come to Christ. One passage that comes to mind from Ephesians about that peace that we have with God is right here. Ephesians 2, 13 to 16. This is what Paul says. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off and have been brought near by the blood of Christ, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I was reading um, some statistics this week in regards to research and, and what people believe about God, and it looked at different demographics and different beliefs and what backgrounds people have as far as Christian faith or whether they were atheist and unbelieving. And the, most of them, most of them said the number one thing that they thought was important was to be near to God. Our neighbors and those around us who recognize and believe in God, they want to be near to God. They want to be close to Him. As James 4 tells us, if we draw near to God, He'll draw near to us. Acts 17 says God's not far from any one of us, that we cannot find Him. He is nearby. And the only reason that we would be far off is because we put ourselves there. But by the blood of Christ, we've been brought near. We've been brought to peace. And we read this. For, this is a description of Christ. For He Himself is our peace. Christ is our peace. I want peace with God. Christ is that who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments. That is, He has annulled their effect of death upon us. That's the meaning there. Abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that He might create in Himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, peace between Jews and Gentiles, peace among all Christians and all nations and all ethnicities. We have peace with God. And we become one body. And he says that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Christ has won the victory and he's brought us peace. No Christian can say that God does not prepare them for victory. We can say this morning, God has given me what I need. And I need to take up the whole armor of God. Never forget to lay it down and not pick it up again. What use is the armor of God if we're not ready? If we're not prepared, 
if we don't put it on, if we don't trust in Him, how will we stand? We're going to fall if we don't do it. I encourage you this morning, think about the things that we've studied. Think about the armor of God. Think about what changes you need to make. And lastly, I want you to look at the last three verses here in Ephesians from our exposition. 18 through 20. And the exposition here is you put on that armor, you don't fall asleep. You stand guard and you're watchful and you pray. There's great strength in prayer and we'll talk more about that this evening. Ephesians 6, 18-20, Paul says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. He's talking to these soldiers of Christ. Keep alert with all perseverance. Don't give up. Make supplication for all the saints. Ask God for supplication for Him to supply everything for the, all the saints, all Christians. And also for me, that the words may be spoken to me, uh, that, are, that may be spoken, uh, may be given to me, and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Paul says, pray for me. For which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Here Paul is in chains in Rome. And he's still getting the soldiers ready for battle. He's encouraging them. And all the things that they face, take up the armor of God. This morning, I hope these things are encouragement to us, things for us to contemplate. Before you can put on the armor of God, you've got to put on Christ in baptism. The armor of God is for Christians, for those who have declared their faith, who confess that they believe Jesus Christ is Lord and that He rose from the dead. The armor of God is for those who have repented and they've changed their hearts. The armor of God is for those who have been baptized and put on Christ in baptism and have raised up from baptism to the newness of life. If you want to put on the armor of God, you want the salvation of Christ, you want the peace of God, you can have it this morning. Put on Christ. Whatever your needs are, we encourage you to come.